WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 5 o'clock. Good morning. It is Wednesday, January 24th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Cloudy, some showers this morning and then again late this afternoon, the high 43 Tonight and overnight could see a pop-up shower, low 41. And then Thursday, more rain, high 52. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 35 raining in Rye up in Westchester County, 34 and cloudy in Bloomingdale down in New Jersey, and it is 37 and cloudy outside our Midtown studio. So much to get to as we work our way up 6 o'clock hour, Sid and friends in the morning. The big primary over up in New Hampshire, former President Trump victorious as the polls predicted he would be. The final numbers that seem to have rolled in is the president got about 54% of the vote to Nikki Haley's 43%. Uh, It seems Nikki Haley will stay in the race. Donald Trump taking a victory lap last night. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Whoa. And just a little note to Nikki. She's not going to win. But if she did, she would be under investigation by those people in 15 minutes. Yeah, so he was going back and forth last night, the former president, whether she should stay into the race or whether she should drop out after last night's showing. They're falling all over themselves saying this race is over. Well, I have news for all of them. New Hampshire is first in the nation. It is not the last in the nation. Yeah, okay, so you had pundits on both sides. Some saying Haley had a respectable showing. Others say this race is over. Former president predicted he'll win easily in South Carolina. Of course, that's Nikki Haley's home state. She was governor there. Uh, some say the win last night cement Trump's role as a clear front, run- uh, front runner in the 2024 presidential nomination. Now, let's see, more from Nikki Haley. No, no, she, and I don't care if she stays in. Let her do whatever she wants. It doesn't matter. I can just say that there's never been a movement like this. Make America great again. In the history of our country, I just don't know. I mean, that's up to her. I'm not, I would never ask anybody to pull out. I didn't ask Ron to pull out. I didn't ask Vivek to pull out. Nobody. And just a little note to Nikki. She's not going to win. <laughs> but if she did, she would be under investigation by those people in 15 minutes. All right, so uh, we'll have to see. We have to wait now till February 24th. It's Saturday, actually, where the South Carolina Republican primary will take place. Uh, a couple more here from Nikki Haley. And now we're the last one standing next to Donald Trump. And today we got close to half of the vote. We still have a ways to go, but we keep moving up. Of course, the New Hampshire primary independents can choose to vote in either primary, the Democratic or the Republican one. It'll be interesting to see when all these numbers come out, how people went, if they went for the Republican or the Democratic side to send a message either to Nikki Haley or Donald Trump. I decided to run because I'm worried about the future of our country and because it's time to put the negativity and chaos behind us. 
So Trump fans, no doubt, will be happy with last night's results. I guess Nikki Haley fans as well. Now it's off to South Carolina, where the initial polls show Donald Trump has a huge lead over the former South Carolina governor. Let's bring it back home last night. Cops looking for a man who stabbed a man in the face. This is just feet from Times Square, 730 West 43rd Street. It seems there was some argument over a cigarette. The victim may have asked for one, and then this man stabbed him. Uh, He was taken to Bellevue Hospital in stable condition. They stabbed her. Uh, Well, he's still on the loose so far. uh, The weapon has not been recovered as well. NYPD Sergeant Eric Duran Indicted by the New York Attorney General for manslaughter in the drug bust death of a man up in the Bronx. Last summer, cops went to arrest 30-year-old Eric Dupree. He just allegedly tried to sell drugs to an undercover officer, then rode off on a friend's motorcycle. Surveillance camera footage shows a group of pedestrians were on the sidewalk where Dupree was riding, including Sergeant Duran, who was undercover. He allegedly tossed a cooler at Dupree, who then fell from the bike and hit his head and died. Mayor Adams on Tuesday. Uh, that's not a policy that we use of throwing a cooler, uh, but the AG is handling that. James Flippin for 77 WABC News. Sorry to see the death of Charles Osgood. He was 91, passed away on Tuesday. Of course, he anchored CBS Sunday morning 22 years, hosted his longtime radio show, The Osgood File. CBS announced his passing yesterday. The former journalist died at his New Jersey home from dementia. That's what his family is saying. Family putting out a statement saying Charlie absolutely loved part of the Sunday morning community. His whole part of it and his family said he loved his radio work as well. He was a New York native from the Bronx. He graduated from Fordham University. His love for radio began when he worked at WFUV, which is that great radio station that W that Fordham runs and continues to run. He went on to work at CBS News for 45 years. I mean, a run like that just doesn't happen anymore. Retiring in 2016 when uh, he just wasn't doing well health-wise. Now, early in my career, and I was talking to Frank about this this morning, I sat in an office right next to his at CBS, and I was filing for a bunch of radio stations across the country. And I knew who he was, but I, you know, it was one of those moments where you're like, I wish I had met him later in life when I wasn't sort of young and dumb. I mean, maybe some people might say I'm so old and dumb, but when I was young and dumb and didn't appreciate this guy who sat right next to me, who was just this huge, great, fantastic journalist, that Sunday show was unbelievable. And the Osgood file was fantastic. And uh, he would knock on my door relatively often and say, hey, Noam, what are you covering today? He was, because he loved radio. He just loved it. And he wanted to know I would play his raps for him. But I don't think I fully appreciated the fact that I was sitting next to this legend, really a living legend at the time. Um, uh, but anyway. As for me, I will see you on the radio. Yeah, of course, that's how he ended uh, his reports on the Sunday morning show. Spent a number of Christmases at his apartment on the uh, Upper West Side. He'd invite the entire staff over. Just Charlie was a fantastic, really just a great guy. Uh, here was, I think this is his last moment on the, the uh, CBS Sunday morning show when he uh, decided it was time to go. It's been a great run. But after nearly 50 years at CBS including the last 22 years here at Sunday morning, the time has come. Yeah. 509. Yesterday was the one-year anniversary of the LIRR's Grand Central Madison Station. So 
What do LIRR riders think about it? The MTA is celebrating one year of Long Island Railroad service in and out of Grand Central Madison. MTA Chairman John O'Leaver says more than 70 million riders have traveled through the terminal over the past year. More passengers used it than the entire Chicago commuter rail system. In one year, we surpassed Chicago. In fact, this is by itself, Grand Central Madison, the fifth largest commuter rail agency in the United States. Lieber says opening the terminal boosted Long Island Railroad service by more than 40%, touting robust reverse commute options. I'm Bob Brown for 77 WABC News. WABC News Time 510. Let's go down to Virginia, where protesters were disrupting President Biden's campaign event there yesterday. Competing groups uh, screaming. They were trying to drown out some pro-Palestinian protesters who were screaming genocide. Joe at the president, he was there for an abortion rights rally, a key issue, he thinks, of the 2024 re-election campaign. The person who doesn't have a clue about the power of women in America is Donald Trump. But I promise you in 2024, he's going to find out about the power of you all. President said so-called MAGA Republicans want to pass a national ban on abortion. Biden said he'd veto any national ban. Since the Dobbs decision, all over this country, from Ohio to Kansas, Michigan, Kentucky, Wisconsin, and right here in Virginia, Americans have showed up, women and men of all races, all backgrounds, voting to protect the freedom to choose. President telling those supporters yesterday that the power is in their hands to get him reelected. We need the protection of the Roe v. Wade in every state. And we can do it. You can do it. Together we can do it. It's within your power to do it. 511, the Secretary of Defense making his first public appearance yesterday since his controversial hospitalization. Of course, that's Secretary Lloyd Austin. Around the world, Ukraine's friends have stepped up to help Ukraine's brave troops resist Putin's aggression. And the United States remains determined to support Ukraine in this fight for freedom. Yeah, he only wanted to talk about uh, what's going on overseas. He did not directly talk about his recent hospitalization that involved complications of a prostate cancer procedure. The DOD failed to disclose both the initial procedure and his hospitalization, prompting criticism after it was revealed President Biden wasn't even aware of Austin's health issues. Did not talk really anything about this during this conference call yesterday. I urge this group to dig deep to provide Ukraine with more life-saving ground-based air defense systems and interceptors. Sort of interesting that nobody said, hey, maybe you should address this issue of whatever. And maybe they did, and he decided not to. If we lose our nerve, if we fail to deter other would-be aggressors, we will only invite even more bloodshed and more chaos. Meanwhile, over at the White House, they say discussions over a ceasefire in Israel are sober and serious. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby says the discussions in the Mideast, this is the one where they would stop the war. Israel would stop its war in Gaza for two months in return for all of the hostages that are alive and even the ones that are not being returned to Israel. Which would require a humanitarian pause of some length to get that done. And that's definitely on the agenda. 
part of that deal would be prisoners, uh, Palestinian prisoners in Israeli jails would be released as well. This was apparently passed by Israel's war panel and uh, apparently Qatar and Egypt are trying to convince Hamas maybe to sign on the on this uh, proposal, but it's not clear it's going to happen. I can't give you odds on if and when we'll be able to get there. But the conversations are very sober and serious about trying to get another hostage deal in place. This, of course, is the Israel-Hamas war rages on for month. Mark draws nearer. Correspondent Raf Sanchez says there are no signs of the war any time soon, even with this proposal out there. Israel's military saying this morning it's encircled the city of Han Yunus, sending thousands of Palestinian civilians fleeing further south in hope of safety. And Monday was one of the deadliest days for Israel in its war with Hamas in Gaza. Two dozen soldiers killed. It comes as Israel pushes for that two-month pause. Meanwhile, Palestinian health officials say more than 25,000 have been killed in Gaza since the beginning of the war. 24 troops were killed in Gaza yesterday. Prime Minister Netanyahu saying, on behalf of our heroes, we will not stop fighting until total victory. Two Israeli officials tell NBC News they've offered Hamas a two-month pause in exchange for the release of the remaining hostages. And, of course, the hostage families pushing hard against Bibi Netanyahu, the Israeli prime minister, to make some sort of deal so their loved ones can be returned home. I'm so sorry it took us such a long time. I really want this to end. We all want this to end, but we're coming for you. Yeah, and it's a mess across the Middle East. We're going to get into that in a moment. The U.S. carrying out airstrikes in Iraq. But first, 515, let's head over to the 77WABC Sports Desk. Happy Hump Day. Good morning, Justin Ellick. Happy Hump Day. Good morning to you, Noam Alevin. Start here on the ice last night in San Jose. The Rangers were back out there skating with the NHL worst Sharks, ultimately suffering a 3-2 to overtime loss thanks to a uh, Tomas Hurdle winner about a minute and a half left in the uh, extra period, or a minute and a half into the extra period, I should say. The uh, Blue Shirts had a uh, 2 nothing lead in this one heading into the third, but that quickly got erased thanks to uh, two San Jose tallies in the first five minutes of the third. Artemi Panarin scored his 29th goal for the scuffling Rangers, who finished 1-2-1 and on their West Coast trip and are 3-5-2 and in their last 10 games. Adam Fox had a goal and an assist as well. The Islanders fell victim to the lost column last night as well, falling 3-2 to at home to the Vegas Golden Knights. Brock Nelson and J.G. Peugeot scored for New York. Uh, Ilya Sorokin finished with 24 saves, but the uh, Isles couldn't figure out the brick wall. That was Vegas tender Aiden Hill. He made 40 saves in his return from an injury. Locally on the hardwood, Jalen Brunson scored 30 points. Julius Randle added 30 points, 9 rebounds, and 7 assists, and the Knicks extended their winning streak to four games with a 108-103 win over the local rival Brooklyn Nets. New York trailed by nine points at the start of the fourth quarter and outscored the Nets 32-18 in that period, closing out the win with a 10-3 run over the final two minutes. Dante DiVincenzo scored 11 points in OG Anunobi added 10 for the Knicks. Mikael Bridges hit a career-high seven three-pointers and scored 36 points for the Nets, who blew a double-digit lead in that fourth quarter for the second consecutive game. And finally, a special day for Major League Baseball yesterday announcing its uh, 2024 Hall of Fame class. This year's class will include two of the best pure hitters of their era and one of the greatest, most indelible third basements in baseball history, Joe Maurer, Todd Helton, and Adrian Beltre were the names elected by the Baseball Writers Association of America yesterday. Beltre, who received uh, support from 95.1% of the 385 writers who cast ballots, and Maurer, 
voted in by 76.1% of the Writers Association members, made it in their first year of eligibility. Helton, 79.7%. He was making his sixth attempt. So in Helton's case, yeah, the sixth time is the charm. Of course, the Colorado uh, Rockies bearded legend Todd Helton. So congrats to those three guys. They'll be joined by Jim Leyland as uh, well. The great uh, who are these writer. writers? Is there a, is it a bunch of people? How many do you even there's know? How many people? Three hundred eighty-five of them. Oh, there is. Oh, that's a lot. So okay. yeah, there's a, there's a, a yeah a good. I would say a fair amount right across yeah. the country. I would say, uh, I would say that's probably a good number. Um, yeah, I mean any more, and uh, it'd be too much, and any less, it'd be too little. No, I just can't. I can't stress that enough. I'm right there with you. <laughs> I'm Justin Ellick. That's sports on uh, WABC. WABC News Time 520. Let's go back over in the Middle East, where the U.S. has been carrying out airstrikes in Iraq. On Tuesday, officials announced multiple airstrikes were conducted targeting Iranian-backed militias. It wasn't announced exactly how many strikes were conducted. This comes just days after U.S. personnel were injured in a missile attack on the al-Assad airbase in Iraq. I'm Brian Shook. Meanwhile, the Pentagon says those strikes against the Houthis were pretty successful. Yesterday, the militaries of the United States and the United Kingdom conducted an additional round of strikes against Houthi targets in Yemen. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby there says the strikes were an attempt to stop the Houthis from their attacks on ships in the Red Sea. These self-defense strikes targeted missile systems and launchers, unmanned aerial and surface vessels, storage facilities, fighter aircraft, helicopters, and attack boats. But all the targets were hit and that they will help further degrade Houthi offensive capabilities. The United States is acting as part of a coalition of countries committed to the defense of our ships and our sailors, to upholding the freedom of navigation in a major international waterway. All those incidents around the world, the mess in the Middle East, the mess in the Ukraine, happening as the group that maintains the world's doomsday clock says we remain as close as ever to global catastrophe. Well, isn't that nice? The Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists announced on Tuesday that the doomsday clock is still set at 90 seconds to midnight for the new year. The group said the clock remained at 90 seconds to midnight because humanity continues to face an unprecedented level of danger. This is the first time the clock has been updated since the start of the Israel-Hamas war and the second since the Russia-Ukraine war began. The scientists said leaders and citizens around the world should take this statement as a stark warning and respond urgently. I'm Mark Mayfield. All right, let's bring it back home. 522, the CEO of Alaska Airlines says new inspections of Boeing 737 MAX 9 planes found that many had loose bolts. In an interview with NBC News, CEO Ben Minicucci talked about the company's findings since the January 5th incident in which a panel blew out mid-flight on a plane with 177 people. The FAA ordered all the MAX 9s grounded following the incident, with Alaska Airlines feeling the effects for weeks. The company has had to cancel and rearrange its flight schedule as its fleet has the highest percentage of MAX 9 planes among major carriers. I'm Brian Shook. Tomorrow will be a tough one for NASA. It's their annual day of remembrance where they honor the crews of Apollo 1, the space shuttles Challenger and Columbia. The space agency hosting a town hall on the importance of safety as a key to mission success. A NASA administrator speaking about the main causes of some issues over the years. Whatever the technical reason is, the real reason is a lack of communication, and especially a lack of communication from those on the line.
And there's so much heartache for those people who worked on those missions that were not successful. And Nelson, uh, his name is Bill Nelson, the NASA administrator, saying that workers have to be unafraid to come forward if they see things might not be right. But to also reflect on what is our responsibility for the future. It is our solemn obligation. If you see something, say something. Any kind of concern that you have, you have an avenue to report it. And any kind of suggested retaliation will not be tolerated. You are free to report. Yeah, some NASA workers in the past say there was retaliation when they reported things that seemed to be out of order at NASA. A new Alzheimer's drug may not bring any noticeable benefits. Last summer, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration fully approved the first drug shown to slow the progress of Alzheimer's. But new research from the University of Georgia suggests that patients may not experience any benefit from the drug in their daily lives. Lakembi is supposed to be a more economical treatment for early-stage Alzheimer's, but experts remain skeptical that the drug provided enough benefit to justify the cost and potential side effects. Researchers found that most studies showed the monoclonal antibody drugs like Lakembe led to statistically significant improvements in cognitive function, but Lakembe did not show clinical significant improvements in memory or behaviors. I'm Thomas Cage. There is so much that's great about AI. We could be curing things like cancer thanks to it, but so much that's wrong with AI. One of the things is online fraud is spiking big time thanks to artificial intelligence. Fraud cost U.S. consumers more than $7 billion during the first three quarters of 2023, according to the FTC. But according to experts, when people are aware of specific scams, they're 80% less likely to be caught in one. Most popular fraud scams target grandparents using AI-generated voice recordings and elaborate imposter schemes. Other popular scams are crypto, romance, employment, and online tax account scams. The best way to defend yourself, don't answer any emails or phone calls from unknown people, and choose a safe word or password to share with only family members and loved ones. That seems like a good idea. 525, tens of thousands of people expected at the New York Boat Show this week. The Boat Show kicking off today goes through Sunday at the Javits Center on the west side. We've seen a rise in personal watercraft and entry-level boats, which is really showing that people want to get involved with being part of boating, and they want to find an accessible and affordable way to do it. That show spokesperson Carrie Weibel, she says there are hundreds of boats to check out, from yachts to, you know, tiny little watercrafts. Kids love to come and climb aboard all of the boats and play captain. We also have very cool build-a-boat stations, boating simulators, and other fun for the kids. Back when I was a street reporter, media day at the boat show was fun because you could climb into all of these. But it's fun to go anyway. It's a good show. Many people tend to think that boating is out of reach. It's absolutely not. There are boats for every budget and lifestyle. There are ways to get on the water that don't even involve owning a boat. Yeah, so that show goes through the weekend. Two of 2023's biggest movies are among the 10 nominees for Best Picture at this year's Academy Awards. It doesn't always work out that way, right? In years past, sometimes you're like, I've never heard of this movie before. But that's not the case this year. Actors Jack Quaid, Zazie Beetz, making the announcement at the Academy's Samuel Goldwyn Theater yesterday. American fiction. Anatomy of a Fall. Barbie. The Holdover. Killers of the Flower Moon. Maestro. Oppenheimer. Past Lives. Poor Things. And the zone of interest. Yeah, so the film Oppenheimer leads the pack. 13 Academy Award nominations. Christopher Nolan's historical drama up for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor. Meanwhile, 
Greta Gerwig's Barbie, the other half of the summer's Barbenheimer phenom, is up for eight awards but got shut out of some of the biggest categories, including Best Director and Best Actress. The opening bell, it rings this morning after stocks close mix on Wall Street Tuesday as investors weighed the latest batch of corporate earnings. The Dow pulled back below its record-breaking high a day after topping 38,000 for the first time. So at the closing bell, the Dow fell 96 points, S&P 500 rose 14, the Nasdaq deck gained 65 points. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. That is me. Good morning. It is Wednesday, January 24th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Clouds, some showers this morning. Then again, late this afternoon, the high 43. Tonight and overnight could see a pop-up shower at 2, low 41. And then Thursday, yeah, more rain, the high 52. If you're walking out the door with us right now, so happy you are. 35 raining in Rye up in Westchester County. 34 and cloudy in Bloomingdale down in New Jersey. And it is 37 and cloudy outside our Midtown studios right now. We'll start this half hour in New Jersey in Passaic County where an investigation is underway following the death of the Passaic County Sheriff, Richard Birdneck. Law enforcement sources confirmed that he died of an apparent suicide at a local restaurant. Just a devastating story. So many questions about his death. What is known is the sheriff was having a late lunch yesterday at Toro's in Clifton. He then got up to go to the bathroom and then witnesses say they heard a gunshot. It looked like he went along because they hear gunshot and people run into the bathroom but uh, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know so all I know is that he was having lunch here and all over the sun he went to the bathroom and took his life. Officers surrounded the restaurant as news spread that the top law enforcement official in Passaic County was found dead inside. Law enforcement sources say when Birdnick went to the bathroom, his own weapon discharged. It was good. Yesterday he attended uh, the swearing ceremony at the City of Patterson City Hall. And he looked great. I mean, this is something that we cannot, can't even understand. That's a Patterson City Councilman. Everybody saying they had seen him the day before and he seemed to be in a good way. What led up to the shooting? Still unclear, but the shock and sadness, of course, just all across Passaic County. Here's Patterson Mayor Andre Sea, who knew the sheriff well. I affectionately referred to him as America Sheriff. He was an exemplary law enforcement leader, and he was a cherished friend. And right now, I'm, I'm just taking time to reflect on his life, his leadership, and his legacy. His legacy began back in 2011 when he was first elected sheriff. In November of 2022, he won re-election for a fifth term. Mayor Seo says he just saw the sheriff on Monday. Seemed to be that nothing out of the ordinary. Bunting draped outside the Passaic County Sheriff's Office. That's in Wayne, New Jersey, last night. The outpouring condolences continue to come in. He was more than a friend, uh, and this is devastating. This news. We lost a good friend. We lost a beautiful human being. Yeah, and I, let me point this out by the way if you or someone you know who's struggling with thoughts of suicide there is free confidential help that's available out there 24 hours a day seven days a week it's really easy you just text the national lifeline at 988 and someone will communicate with you right away 535 a woman in custody in brooklyn 
after a man's body parts were found in a refrigerator inside an apartment in Brooklyn. Police responding to a wellness check. This was on Nostrand Avenue in Flatbush about 7 p.m. A man's dismembered body parts were found in a taped up in the freezer inside this third floor apartment. There were lots of people who live in this building say, I don't know what was going inside in that apartment. That's something you see in Colorado or Wyoming somewhere. Not here. In, in those areas that's hidden. In Brooklyn, New York? Come so, on, man. Yeah, does, it does seem like it usually happens elsewhere. The woman who was in the apartment, she was taken into custody. So far, we reached out NYPD. She has not been charged yet. She don't bother nobody. But I know she smoke back and forth to get, you know, to get her stuff. It surprised me up to now. I mind my business. I stay out people's way, and it's just crazy. Yes, sir, there are security cameras on this building, but it's not clear if any of them were working. So police are going to have to go through and figure that out. That is, neighbors say they don't know if this woman lived with somebody. They don't know whose body might have been found in the freezer. Walking my dogs, and I heard about all this commotion. So, you know. This place is, this homeless, and HR, we give them apartment, and they bring any kind of people, all kind of people, and I'm scared of them, man. Yeah, so city's medical examiner now going to investigate the cause of the death. Of course, the investigation ongoing. WABC. News time 538. A new regulation proposed by the New York State Office of Cannabis Management would allow New Yorkers to grow cannabis from the comfort of their own homes. Well, a message to the people who are putting this proposal forward. There are lots of people who are already growing it from their own home. I don't know about you, but I have a friend or two who have been very proud to show me what they're growing in their solarium or in some sunny area of their house. And usually it's just for themselves. The requirement that would need to be met focuses on ensuring that the cannabis is being grown, uh, grown the right way and that it will not harm your neighbors. It would require those taking part to be at least 21 years old. Uh, people across the city say, well, it's no-brainer. Why shouldn't you let people smoke and grow weed in their own apartments or homes if it's just for themselves? Like, it might be good because some people might not have to waste as much money as they do right now since everything's getting priced up higher. Yeah, well, you do walk into those stores, you pay the taxes. It's awfully expensive. Those growing it in their homes can possess up to five pounds of cannabis flour or the equivalent weight in cannabis uh, concentrate mixture. For safety reasons, that cannabis must be grown in a secure location and out of view. State's uh, Cannabis Control Board set to make a decision on this rule in the next couple weeks. If approved, uh, there would be a comment period, and then eventually people who wanted to grow legally in their own home would be able to do so. I will point out the people who are growing it already uh, won't be affected by whether that passes or not. Up in the uh, Hudson Valley, Dave Segrist was this beloved varsity baseball coach at Nyack High School. His name sits high on the scoreboard there. A scholarship and a memorial tournament uh, herald his memory. He died in 2006 from cancer. And after he passed away, some students came forward to say that his assistant coach, who sat next to him for a long period of time, had allegedly sexually assaulted some students. So then this debate began whether they should take Dave Segris's name off the scoreboard because maybe he knew what was going on between his assistant coach, allegedly, and these students. So last night, they held a town hall to make a decision, the school board, whether to leave his name up 
on the scoreboard and those tournaments in his memory. Here's what it sounded like. Dave was a good man who did good things. He devoted his life to Nyack Public Schools and the Nyack Baseball Program. Some former students spoke out. They say the sexual abuse on the team was the worst kept secret at the school. I was a child and I still figured it out. I'm stating unequivocally that Dave Segrist knew there was a suspicious relationship between his player and his assistant coach. I brought these concerns to Dave Segrist in 2001. At the time, I was 17. Rather than helping, Coach Segrist used his power to intimidate me to silence. So the assistant coach, his name was Peter Reckla. The two men ran the team side by side for more than two decades ago until this player came forward and accused Rekla of sex abuse The students uh, during the students' four years in the high school. Uh, some of Segris's family, who you know want to protect his image and want to protect these scholarships and his name up on the scoreboard, they spoke out at the school board meeting as well last night. We categorically, emphatically, and summarily denied that he had any prior knowledge about any of the heinous transgressions attributed to Mr. Rutland. So after hearing more than an hour of what was really emotional testimony, the board actually voted last night to remove the coach's name from the scoreboard. By the way, for the assistant coach, Rekla, he's never been charged with any crimes. Buffalo Bills kicker Tyler Bass has deleted his social media accounts after receiving online threats from following his missed game-tying field goal in Sunday's divisional playoff loss to the Kansas City Chiefs. It's kind of amazing, really? You're going to go online to bully this guy? Apparently they did, the bullying against the athlete prompting this uh, cat adoption group in Buffalo to raise money on his behalf because he had adopted cats from this group in the past, and they've been able to raise money off of his name, so I guess that's a good thing for them. But searches for Bass's social and media accounts on Instagram and X last night prompted messages on the platforms that said the accounts don't exist or anymore and may have been removed, so I guess he got tired of being harassed by either fans or people who just wanted to razz him. Out to uh, Long Island at 543, a boater stuck in the ice. This is Smith Point Bay yesterday. He was out clamming, and all of a sudden he realized he was stuck in the ice, apparently there for about six hours, waiting for someone to come in and break up the ice and tow his boat to shore. There was this man, Pete Lombardi. He's from Calverton. He saw the boater stuck in the ice yelling for help and said, okay, I'm going to help you. Hey, 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 I went down there. And uh, he's like, I've been out here for like seven hours straight. I'm freezing. I'm freezing. Please call somebody. So we called 911. A couple other guys called 911. And he got rescued. Yeah, so police say the man rescued. Only person on the boat, and he's okay. So thank God for that guy. Pete Lombardi, who saw him out in the ice, was able to call 911 to get him rescued. Uh, just a few towns away. It's going to soon cost more to have fun in Hempstead, out on Long Island, the town board last night approving 17 resolutions to raise dozens of fees at parks, pools, and beaches at a meeting. So on average, fees will increase by about 10%. People in Hempstead say they shouldn't have to pay any more to use the beach or the pool than they already do. I think it's a little ridiculous. If it's too expensive, it's like you're not going to choose to have your kids go. Those that can't afford to uh, have the luxury of just being able to go in their backyard and go swimming... That it just makes it that much more difficult to, uh, you know, enjoy the summer. Yes, yeah, sir. For example, a season parking pass at Lido Beach will increase from 125 bucks to 138 A family season pass to the pool 
going to be 133 bucks now. Residents say this is all too high. They shouldn't have to pay to go sit on the beach. With all the taxes that we're paying for everything already, it's like uh, it's already hard enough. Yeah, but in Hempstead, the lawmakers there say the fee structure remains some of the lowest in the county. So they say they had to do what they had to do because it just costs more to run all those things. 545, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk where we find Justin Ellick. Thank you, Noah Malidin. On the ice last night in San Jose, the Rangers were back out there skating with the NHL worst Sharks, ultimately suffering a 3-2 overtime loss thanks to a Tomas Pirtle Winner about a minute and a half left, uh, or left, a minute and a half into the extra period. The Blue Shirts had a two to nothing lead in this one heading into the third period, but that quickly got erased thanks to two San Jose tallies in the first five minutes of the third. Panarin scored his 29th goal for the scuffling Rangers, who finished one, two, and one on their West Coast trip and are three, five, and two in their last ten. Adam Fox had a goal and an assist as well. The Islanders fell victim to the loss column last night as well. Falling 3-2 at home to the biggest goal, the Knights. Brock Nelson and J.G. Pajot scored for New York. Ilya Sorokin finished with 24 saves, but the Isles couldn't figure out their opposite brick wall. That was Vegas tender Aiden Hill, who made 40 saves in his return from an injury. Locally on the hardwood, Jalen Brunson scored 30 points. Julius Randle added 30 points, 9 rebounds, and 7 assists. And the Knicks extended their winning streak to four games with a 108-103 win over the local rival Brooklyn Nets. New York trailed by nine points at the start of the fourth quarter and outscored the Nets 32-18 in the period, closing out the win with a 10-3 run over the final two minutes. Dante DiVincenzo scored 11 points, and OG Ananobi added 10 for the Knicks. Mikhail Bridges hit a career-high seven three-pointers and scored 36 points for the Nets, who blew a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter for the second consecutive game. And finally, a special day for Major League Baseball yesterday, announcing its 2024 Hall of Fame class. This year's class will include two of the best pure hitters of their era and one of the greatest, most indelible third basemen in baseball history. Joe Maurer, Todd Helton, and Adrian Beltre were the names elected by the Baseball Writers Association of America yesterday. Beltre, who received support of 95.1% of the 385 writers who do cast ballots, and Maurer voted in by 76.1% of the Writers Association members, made it in their first year of eligibility. Helton, 79.7%. Finally made it in, making his sixth attempt. How does it work? Is it the, Are the writers given a list of names, or can they put anybody's name forward? Uh, I, I, I believe that you could probably write people in. I don't think it's that effective doing it that way, uh, because you're not going to get so many guys writing in the same name. Uh, but no, they get. A, I think they believe they get to select who they want to see on the ballot. Everybody submits who they want to see on the ballot. I think they get a bunch of options. You get bubbles that you have to fill in. I've seen, like, pictures of, of you know, how they kind of do it. And then you mail it back in, uh, and then they send another list back with those finalists who all the writers decided would be on the list, and then the writers vote for those finalists. So it's like Pete Rose, who I think should be in the Hall of Fame. Is he on that list still, or is no? No, because he's already reached the limit. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, and if not, he's banned from baseball for life. I know so that, it's, but... You know, but uh, Guys, you know, guys like A-Rod and Barry Bonds and stuff, they're they're starting to really, you know, flirt with reaching their limit. I believe the limit's 10. You could be on the ballot 10 times and then and then it's uh, over and done with. Huh. So, but those steroids guys will never get uh, they'll never let them get in. No. So, unfortunately in my opinion. That's sports no. I'm Justin Ellick on WABC. Let's catch you up on the big stories of the morning former President Trump big night for him in New Hampshire winning the first primary in the country in the Granite State got 54% to Nikki Haley's 43% last night. Thank you everybody. Thank you. Whoa. 
Donald Trump now a step closer to the Republican nomination. And just a little note to Nikki. She's not going to win. But if she did, she would be under investigation by those people in 15 minutes. They're falling all over themselves saying this race is over. Well, I have news for all of them. New Hampshire is first in the nation. It is not the last in the nation. Nikki Haley making it clear she's not going anywhere, at least for now. Next, of course, up is South Carolina, February 24th, a Saturday. That's Nikki Haley's home state. Initially, polls show Donald Trump way ahead of the president dismissing Nikki Haley's pledge to stay in the race during uh, his talks last night. No, no. And I don't care if she stays in. Let her do whatever she wants. It doesn't matter. I can just say that there's never been a movement like this. Make America great again in the history of our country. I just don't know. I mean, that's up to her. I'm not, I would never ask anybody to pull out. I didn't ask Ron to pull out. I didn't ask Vivek to pull out. Nobody. But Donald Trump says he was confused, by the way. Haley handled last night's results. She did lose. And she was up and I said, wow, she's doing uh, like a speech like she won. She didn't win. She lost. They're falling all over themselves saying this race is over. Well, I have news for all of them. New Hampshire is first in the nation. It is not the last in the nation. And now we're the last one standing next to Donald Trump. And today we got close to half of the vote. We still have a ways to go, but we keep moving up. And here she talks about the purpose, she says, of her campaign. I decided to run because I'm worried about the future of our country and because it's time to put the negativity and chaos behind us. So now it's on to Nikki Haley's home state of South Carolina. Again, that's February 24th, a Saturday. NYPD Sergeant Eric Duran indicted by the New York Attorney General for manslaughter in the drug bust death of a man up in the Bronx. Last summer, cops went to arrest 30-year-old Eric Dupree. He just allegedly tried to sell drugs to an undercover officer, then rode off on a friend's motorcycle. Surveillance camera footage shows a group of pedestrians were on the sidewalk where Dupree was riding, including Sergeant Duran, who was undercover. He allegedly tossed a cooler at Dupree, who then fell from the bike and hit his head and died. Mayor Adams on Tuesday. Uh, that's not a policy that we use of throwing a cooler, uh, but the AG is handling that. James Flippin for 77 WABC News. Time does fly fast. It's actually exactly a year ago that the Grand Central Madison Station for LIRR riders opened up on the east side. So what do LIRR riders think about it a year later? The MTA is celebrating one year of Long Island Railroad service in and out of Grand Central Madison. MTA Chairman John Oliver says more than 70 million riders have traveled through the terminal over the past year. More passengers used it than the entire Chicago commuter rail system. In one year, we surpassed Chicago. In fact, this is by itself, Grand Central Madison, the fifth largest commuter rail agency in the United States. Lieber says opening the terminal boosted Long Island Railroad service by more than 40%, touting robust reverse commute options. I'm Bob Brown for 77 WABC News. Let's go out to Long Island where police investigating after bogus threats made at two schools in Comac. Police responding to Comac Middle School after a bogus call was made, sending at least a half a dozen cars racing to the building. Report of a possible active shooter at Comac Middle School. 
The threat appeared to have been generated by a robocall, and similar calls went to other school districts. In the end, police say no credible threats against the schools. Of course, they don't know that when they're racing there. This is the second time in two weeks that Long Island schools have been targeted by so-called swatting incidents. Well, this won't come as any shock, at least most likely it won't. New York and New Jersey are some of the worst states to retire. This according to the finance company Wallet Hub. New York is the seventh worst place to retire. New Jersey is the second worst. And people who live in the tri-state say, yeah, I believe this study. Why? Because of the property taxes. Homeowners, they can't you know, afford it. And you know, with retirement, you want a fixed income. So when your taxes are going up and your income is staying the same, what's going to happen? You're going to leave. These Wallet Hub researchers looked at the affordability, quality of life, health care, the cost of living in New York, roughly 30 percent higher than the national average, while New Jersey has the highest property taxes in the nation. Data shows the best place in America to retire is Florida, while the worst place to retire is Kentucky. I'm wondering how far I got to go, 10 years, 7 years, 15 years. I don't know. It just depends what the bottom number is going to be. You'd be debating about whether or not are you really able to stay here with the income and my income alone. It's hard. It does seem like everybody's heading to the Sunshine State in this Wallet Hub survey, cementing that it is a great place to retire. So, of course, New Yorkers, people living in New Jersey, seeing this study now, considering where do they want to finish up their lives? Somewhere down south, for sure. It's much cheaper. I don't want to say. It's up to my wife. I'd rather go down south just because of the getaway from the snow and everything. Where housing is reasonable. No, don't retire in New York. Run. Hmm, okay. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.